Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. So, a great pleasure to uh, welcome to today's program, Jake Papa, who's Senior VP of Enterprise Sales at uh, Emerge. And today, we're going to talk about supply chain's most profitable four-letter word, data. So, there's certainly a lot of data in supply chain logistics, and you know, some companies drown in it, uh, while others find a way to convert data into business value. And uh, you know, one area where data plays a critical role is in transportation procurement. So how does data connect to procurement, connect to profitability? Well, that's the key question we're gonna discuss in today's episode. And it's great to have Jake on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic, as well as his perspective on the current state of the transportation market. So Jake, welcome to the program. Really appreciate it, Adrian. Thanks for having me on today. So, so Jake, you're a first-time guest here on, on Talking Logistics, and like I always do at the start of these programs, whenever I, you know, bring someone new, uh, I'm always curious how they got involved with this industry. So, maybe before we dive into the topic, you know, briefly tell us a little bit about your, you know, career path, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics, transportation, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Emerge. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, uh, I moved out to Arizona in 2007, uh, actually to join ASU, so went to college out here. And then uh, right after I graduated, I was introduced to uh, Andrew and Michael Leto at Global Trans. Uh, that was right when they actually got their Series A fundraising and started to build their truckload department out. So uh, went into interview, had about a seven-minute interview. I was actually with Michael and uh, got a job that day and started with him about two weeks later. So started with Global Trans, held pretty much every role you could think of in the brokerage space, uh, started inside sales jumped over to pricing, uh, did a little bit on the intermodal side of the business, and then back into enterprise sales. Um, right about 2013, 2014 is when we started our secondary company, 10.4 Systems. So as we were scaling that out, uh, as well as Global Trans, I jumped over to 10.4 and helped run sales and operations over there for several years until uh, 2017 when we stepped away from both those ventures and uh, started to merge where, uh, where I'm currently at today. Wow. Well, uh, I used to live out in Arizona, so I, I know the... Uh... Uh, the ASU environment in Tempe. I yep. used to live right there in Tempe. And ASU, a great school, uh, particularly with you know strength in supply chain logistics. But it seems like you've had a you know a great journey so far in multiple roles there, uh, you know different ventures um, leading up to your current role there at at Emerge. So so let's start now. I mean, you've obviously been in transportation logistics, you know, since since coming out of ASU. So you've been able to see some of the you know ups and downs and cyclical nature of of this industry. So. Um, so, so let's start by getting your perspective on a topic that is generating a lot of buzz and debate at the moment. And, and it's certainly a topic where data, you know, comes into play. And, and that is, what is the current state of the U.S. freight market? I mean, is it heading to a recession or not? I mean, I think if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see multiple back and forth between different parties kind of arguing one point or another. But, I'm, you know, since you've got a pulse on this as well, what's your take? Yeah, recession's a tough word, isn't it? So uh, that might, might be a little bit uh, over the top of what's actually happening. But we are starting to see rates go down, especially in the spot market. Um, in the last 90 days or so, we've seen a pretty consistent trend on that piece of the business. Uh, also seen on the contract side, tender acceptance fairly high, especially high compared to what's been over the COVID years. So uh, recession, I, I'm not going to comment if that's true or false. Uh, we're definitely seeing some change. And you know, it's, it's been volatile for a long time. So um, kind of level setting the playing field here and potentially getting back down to more reasonable rates is, uh, is kind of what we're seeing on our end. Um, and, and with that, you know, you start to see shippers acting differently, going to market differently, um, approaching procurement differently. So uh, extremely excited kind of where the market's going. Um, but uh, from, from a recession standpoint, I, I won't put my name behind that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think you're right. I think the word recession is kind of, uh, you know, a, a very strong and it's got a very, you know, specific definition around it. And I think, uh, you know, it, it, it could be, uh, 
you know, lead people into, you know, uh, lose focus into kind of the reality of what's, what's important or not. But I think what's important for sure is the data, right? Make it, you know, mm-hmm. keeping a pulse in that market because, you know, we all know that the market is cyclical. There's going to be ups and downs. We, we, you know, what we don't know is how long each of these cycles last and what's going to, what's going to be the factors necessarily that's going to trigger, uh, you know, an inflection point and, and so forth. But I think if you do have, and I think that's one of the beauties of today's environment is if you do have more real-time visibility to what's happening out there, you're able to be a little bit more predictive. You're able to be a little bit more proactive uh, in terms of, of what actions to take. Um, so, so let's talk now in terms of, you know, how this translates into, uh, into procurement. I mean, so in light of what you're seeing in terms of, uh, you know, how, you know, the, these current market trends and, and predictions, I mean, how, how are they influencing the way companies are approaching the transportation procurement, you know, plans and strategies? Definitely. So, you know, if you think of it from the annual procurement cycle, um, generally, you know, shippers will go to bid in Q4 for a Q1 release of their annual RFP. Um, obviously, with the, the the rates changing so dramatically here in Q1 and into early Q2, we're starting to see a lot of shippers go to market with more mini bids, seasonal bids. Um, and as we're approaching summer months here, maybe potentially going out for a, a six month bid or a three month bid rather than, you know, their traditional annual bid. So we're seeing the, the rate of RFPs or the rate of mini bids um, go up pretty dramatically uh, as shippers try to get the cheaper pricing because, you know, if they're locked into an annual rate here from something that was bid out in Q4 of last year, it's a pretty diff- you know, dramatically different uh, different market in this current state. So, you know, through through our platform and it being a, a procurement platform for, you know, both those mini bids and annual bids, we've seen a dramatic uptick in the number of events shippers are running. So, um, you know, over the last 90 days, we've had 100 plus different events run through our platform and uh, we still continue to see that grow here today. So, you know, um, you know, and this is another topic of conversation has been happening for a while, right? You know, it is the, you know, once a year strategic procurement bid, bid dead, right? You know, you set it and forget it type of thing. And I think the general consensus is that, you know, you can't just set it and forget it anymore because it is, you know, uh, you know, very cyclical, uh, you know, in nature. Um, but, but I think in some ways, I think that's the wrong question. I think the, the, the right question is, are strategic partnerships between shippers and carriers still important, and I, I I think that question, even though the the um, uh, the frequency of the bids may change, strategic partnerships and having part, strong partnerships in place is still important. Do, do you agree? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. Whether that's from a, a one way or a dedicated standpoint, um, you know, having that relationship with the asset based carriers and strategic brokerages are, are critical for for these shippers. And generally, what we see is is rates start to fluctuate like this is. You know, uh, the past two years, a lot of shippers have gone and added more people to their network. So, you know, if they traditionally had, let's say, 50 carriers and brokers in their network, they might have went up to 75 or 80 to go get capacity. Now they're starting to tone that back down and, and get back to more realistic, uh, realistic expectations for how large their network needs to be and keeping those strategic partners moving forward with them. So from an annual standpoint, from a, a seasonal standpoint, of course, you'll always need those strategic relationships. But uh, that the frequency of the bidding or the frequency of uh, going going out to market for new rates is, uh, is something that we see continuously happening now i think you know from a shipper standpoint and you know um you know kind of doing you know shorter term bids uh kind of makes sense in a very volatile environment particularly if you know rates are coming down and things start softening you're able to capture some of those you know freight saving um in theory you know you know from a carrier's perspective um you know it should be positive for them as well if you know if you if you agree that then when things get tighter, right, they'll be able to capture higher uh, rates in the future. 
you know, they're not locked in to these softer rates, right? So then you, from a shipper standpoint, then, you know, what ends up happening to historically is then you get the higher tender rejection rates Correct. because, you know, so in theory, it should both, it should, you know, this going to site, going out to bid on a more frequent basis should be beneficial both in a quote unquote shippers market, as well as a, as a carrier's market. Do, do you agree? Yeah. So if you think from a carrier or, or brokerage standpoint specifically, it takes a lot of the risk out of it. So, you know, if you're going to market for an annual bid on potentially lanes you're not you know, familiar with running or that you don't have the consistency in, you know, you might make money nine months of the year, you might lose money three months of the year, especially in the brokerage standpoint. So running a six month bid or three month bid takes a lot of that vibration out of it, um, which is, you know, uh, in theory could allow these brokers and carrier partners to come in more aggressively because they can kind of see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think what technology comes in, from my standpoint, is historically, you know, doing a bid was a very time-consuming, you know, costly process, if you will, right? Gathering the data, sending out the bids, I mean, which most cases were sending out a bunch of Excel spreadsheets and then coming back and, you know, aggregating all those spreadsheets. But but the environment, you know, thanks to technology, I mean, that environment now, you know, the the, the cost and the effort and the uh, the ability to do these mini bids through technology has um, you, you know, been alleviated or been enabled through technology, it, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially with uh, platforms like ours and others that are out there, you know, you can duplicate a bid on a monthly cycle or even a weekly cycle in a few clicks. So essentially you just copy the event, update the new lanes and volumes tied to those events, push it to your network and start collecting rates in you know, five to seven clicks. So that's really where we've seen the power of that coming come through is the ability to reproduce those and, and, and kind of go to market much quicker, um, as well as with things like scenario building and optimization and low cost solves and different ways that you can actually kind of automate the awarding process to make it to where it's, you know, once again, a few clicks rather than needing to export a bunch of excels and, and run different uh, different formulas to try and get those rates. So, yeah, we we see a lot of that happening through through platforms like ours and some others that are out there. Great, great. So, so linking back to the title of this episode, I mean, how does data connect to procurement, connect to profitability? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, the, the data side of it, I, I really look at data three different ways. There's the, the shippers' historical data, their volumes, their, their rates that they've paid in the past that they can start to utilize to do things like benchmarking. There's also third-party data sources they can go out and either purchase or, or partner with in order to start to look at that. And then you've got your current rates. So when you run a, a procurement event, you see kind of the current market of where your network of carrier and broker partners are at, and you can obviously negotiate with them from there. But, you know, you kind of see those three different, three different data points to, to be able to make your buying decisions. So where that equals to profitability um, kind of depends on what scope you're looking through. And on, on the shipper side of things right now, um, I think it gives them more flexibility to choose a lot more different partners at cheaper rates. So, you know, traditionally what you'll see through kind of the COVID years is that um, there might be one or two carriers that stand out as dramatically cheaper in certain lanes than others. So, you know, you're kind of pushed towards one, that, those one or two carriers to where now there should be a much larger bucket of carriers that are kind of in that bottom, bottom cheaper side of things. So you can start to, you know, pick and choose which carriers to go with rather than always choose the cheapest option. So we kind of see that on the shipper side, which, you know, allows them to be, you know, say, Save some money on their on their line haul cost and potentially make more profit on that side of it. For the broker and carrier side of it, um, you know, obviously using their historical information to to price things out with a lot less volatility um, it should equal more profit for them. But also allowing them to go out to new markets on shorter term rates and be more aggressive on those. So. 
once again, taking the vibrations out of, hey, I don't want to go bid for an annual cycle on this lane if I might lose six, seven, eight months of the year. But now knowing that, hey, it's only a six month bid, let's go get aggressive and see if we can you know, put our best foot forward from a pricing standpoint, because the, the risk is not near as large as what it was before. Yeah, no, great, great examples there. And I think, you know, I, I like that, you know, the, the, the fact that there's multiple data streams that come into play here. And I think it's when you aggregate all those three, I think what's different today than in the past is that both shippers and carriers and brokers have, you know, much more transparency, much more visibility in terms of, of the market, in terms of performance, in terms of cost to be able to make more, you know, informed and, and, and uh, uh, intelligent decisions. Uh, you know, particularly when it comes to uh, to procurement, um, you know, we, we talk about profitability. Cost is always top of mind, but as we know, you know, service is another key element of this. How how does that service the service component weave into this whole process? Yeah, I mean, we've seen from all the data sources that you know tender acceptance on contract rates are, are much higher than what they were six months ago. So obviously, that's usually the first thing shippers look at from a service standpoint: are my carriers accepting the tenders that they're sending them? Um, from a on-time percentage for pickup and delivery, you know, those play major factors into it. But each shipper operates those differently. So some of them look at you know if you're there by the minute from an appointment time, if it's within an hour, two hours, if it's that day. You know, um, in theory, they get a little more flexibility as they have more carriers that can participate at, you know, from, from a bidding cycle standpoint, but, um, you know, the, the overall tender acceptance is kind of usually the, the, the keystone of kind of what shippers are looking at in order to, you know, make their buying decisions, especially in markets like they are today. Right. And I think, you know, the, the, um, the, the other aspect, I think that that's important, you know, going back to technology, what's different today is that, you know, so you have much more visibility today, much more data today to make these types of decisions. Um, and then the, obviously the technology to um, consume that data and be able to do optimization, be able to do analysis and, and so forth, and then to be able to execute in a much more efficient way than you know, emailing a bunch of spreadsheets out, obviously. I think the other component I think that's important is, and I'm a big proponent of, of the network model, is that I think shippers today and, and, and on the reverse side carriers, um, you know, the fact that you've, you've got these communities of connected trading partners, shippers and carriers on a common platform, you know, the, the challenge has always been for shippers to connect to that long tail of, of carriers, which represents a, a significant, you know, percentage of the market. And I think that's another component of this that's different today is the fact that um, you, to be able to provide visibility and connectivity to a much larger base of carriers than companies have had historically in the past, right? Yeah, that's really what our system is designed to do. So, you know, we are a procurement layer, but we also have a marketplace of about 45,000 asset-based carriers that come in and participate as well. So, you know, not only are we providing the procurement services to our shippers, but then allowing them to connect to carriers that might be outside of their network that they never knew existed, or potentially they've worked with once in the past, but it was through a brokerage or 3PL or 4PL that they never saw them again, because, you know, it depends on kind of where the contracts are going at that point in time. So, yes, um, there's a lot of technologies that are allowing shippers to make better buying decisions based off of introducing the new carriers, um, but also tying things together, like you mentioned earlier, of their service standards of, you know, who exactly is this carrier? Who works with them? You know, how many partners do they have? Um, are they more spot? Are they more contract? Are they dedicated? Being able to kind of fragment and segment those different types of carriers to bring the right ones to the shipper. So when they're going out for their you know annual RFP or seasonal RFP, they can make the right buying decisions. Great. So, so Jake, as a way to wrap up, then I mean, the, the transportation, you know, market will will likely remain volatile in, in the weeks and months ahead. It's just the nature of the, uh, the 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 industry. So, what action should companies take to effectively manage through this volatility in order to 
again, achieve their transportation costs, capacity and, and service goals. Yeah, I think right now is a really good time to start looking at benchmarking and seeing kind of where they're paying current state compared to current markets. So especially ones that went for annual RFPs in Q3, Q4 of last year that you know might be 90 or 120 days into their contracts, taking a look at that and just seeing, you know, which lanes are underperforming. And if they're underperforming, and you're paying more than what market's going for. Why not go run a mini bid or, or mini event to run those? So looking at the benchmarking piece of it, um, maybe expanding that to, you know, uh, generally speaking, spots down right now. So being able to look at some other types of mini bid features to potentially fill those voids for the small amount of spot they have and, and try and even narrow that down more. And then, um, you know, tying kind of all together through, uh, through through systems like what we're offering here at Emerge in order to, you know, build the proper route guide and then um, load that into their TMS and go from there. Great. Yeah. No, great, great advice. I think benchmarking is, is one of those areas, again, that ties into, you know, data, obviously. And I think the ability for companies to, um, you know, better understand where they stand relative to, you know, a broader market index uh, or, or their peers in the industry, I think is, is, is a critical first step to really understanding, you know, how well they're really doing, you know, sure. or, or where the opportunities for, for improvement uh, uh, truly are. Um, so again, we just scratched the surface here, Jake. Uh, you know, I think we could probably talk, uh, you know, for, for hours on this subject, but I think that you provided some great insights and, and advice on, on this topic. And, you know, certainly an area that I'm sure that if we speak six months, nine months from now, you know, some of the key advice you provide are still going to hold true, but maybe the market will be different then. And there might be some uh, other uh, steps or other insights that, that uh, you know, might be worthwhile considering. So certainly, hopefully uh, you'll be able to join us in a, in a future episode. Definitely looking forward to it. Really appreciate you having me on today. Great. Well, I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Emerge website or on Talking Logistics and you've got a question or a comment for Jake, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great Definitely day. Definitely take care.